1: go to mailbags, Ryan. We don't have a lot today, so we should be able to work through these pretty quickly. And let's get to these here real quick, Ryan. We have a question for uh, from Nick Lane. He says, "Who?" Do, oh, I did want to say this before we get to this. We are having a tailgate on Saturday. I haven't decided the time yet. I got to find out when my parents are going to be in town, uh, but it'll probably sometime, we'll probably start sometime between noon and two. I'm probably leaning kind of closer to two uh, but we may get there a little bit earlier. We'll be in the stadium lot. I do have a pass for the stadium lot, so it's right there in front of the stadium. So we will have our tailgate on Saturday. Uh, I will take a picture and tweet it out and put it on the message board once I get there to kind of let you know where in the stadium lot we are. So you'll definitely want definitely to check that out. So let's get to the questions. Nick Lane says, who do we need the most to step up in this un- upcoming game? Ryan, I guarantee you that you and I have the same answer for this. If you could say one player, has to be at his best today. You know, some others are going to play well, but like one guy that I'm going to guarantee is going to play well, it's
2: number ten. I was about to say it's Drew Pine, it's right? Good. Like it's easy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, yeah. you, you got to you can't you can't just say number ten, Brian, because Prince Kali is also number ten, right? No, like, we Drew all Pine. know what we're talking about. We all know. what <laughs> I, we're I, talking know. About. I know. We all know what we're talking about. Nah. I, I agree. I agree completely. Though it's it's one of those things where when you, especially Notre Dame is running the ball at a pretty nice clip, offensive lines playing pretty well. It's inconsistent in the passing game from a a weapons perspective, but it's definitely improving, no doubt about it. And defensively, you've been playing well enough to win every football game this year. So the elephant in the room is that the quarterback position needs to be more and more consistent. If he's able to and you're able to have a balanced attack against Clemson, then we're cooking with grease, man. Like at that point you have – everything open to you and all options open, which will only help you against this talented of a defense.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: I want to bring up a comment from a Clemson fan that's in our chat.
3: Oh, man. Oh, and man.
1: and he said, uh, he said uh, you know, yeah, we're all rooting for our team, but I like listening to realistic fans of other teams too. And then he gave a comment that I think sums up things that I, I – I like fans like this. Somebody mm-hmm. asked him about the quarterback thing, and he says, I like DJ. Uh, I prefer DJ because I don't – basically it doesn't think K- Klubnik's ready. DJ's more seasoned. And, and that's actually like a rational comment, you know, because it's always <laughs> DJ struggling, put in the freshman – Cade is an incredibly talented player, but he's also small and young, and I don't know if he's ready to take the kind of pounding week after week after week. Maybe once you get through this game, but that's actually a very smart comment. Obviously, the here's the thing about this from a Clemson standpoint. People have asked me if you were – I've actually been asked this by Notre Dame fans. If you were Clemson, would you start Kate this week? I'm like, heck no. I am not giving Kate Klubnick's – him his first start on the road in the weather conditions you expect against that defense – Right. If I got to go to him, I'm going to go to him. But if you go to him, if DJ's struggling, there's less pressure on Kate in that instance, as opposed to the entire week of preparation and answering questions and I'm the guy and the weight of the world on my shoulders. I want his game to be, if you've got it, if you have to use him, mm-hmm. it's coming off the bench with less pressure. Then right. you start him down the road. So that's a very, very fair comment. In my opinion is, and, and, because you know, again a lot of fans it's always like put the young kid in put the young kid in put the young kid in especially <laughs> if the kid is a five star uh, sure. sometimes that's true that if a young guy needs to play in this instance I don't think DJ has played to the level I, it's like this if Dj was like a three star mm-hmm. he's how's he any different than Ian book right. I mean, look at his numbers how's Dj any different than what Ian book was steady just gets the job done don't make a ton of mistakes you know if you get the occasional chance to use your legs go do it. The difference is, is, Ian Book was a three-star that they flipped from Washington State. The expectations mm-hmm. were not high. DJ was right. a top-10 national player. He's expected mm-hmm. to be like Trevor Lawrence. But if you, if you take out the expectations, I don't think I don't think I think DJ's been a solid, decent quarterback this year. Yeah. But it's considered bad because of what the expectations were. Now, sure. is he l- l- have a like a, a kung fu grip on the starting job? No, but He's your starter, so I thought that was a very fair take, and it did create. A, and it's an interesting dynamic, right? I mean, it's a very mm-hmm. interesting dynamic of of how a guy's ex, a guy's, the perception of a guy coming in can have such an impact on how good it, he
2: is. It it's also pretty refreshing too, Brian, because I mean, like you said, from a fan perspective. We, <laughs> What player is more liked on a football team than a backup quarterback, right? Like it's always – the next guy is always going to be better, man. always going to be better. And they'll turn on that
1: backup quick. I mean,
2: it was like two
1: weeks, like a month ago, you got reporters asking Marcus Freeman, do you regret not starting Drew Pine at the beginning of the year? And then like two weeks later, this guy shouldn't be on scholarship. He's terrible. (laughs) They need to play Steve Angeli. You know, it's just the way that it is. Because you're no longer the backup anymore. You're now the starter. Mm -hmm. Somebody else is the new favorite player. Uh, so yeah, that's uh that's an interesting, interesting look at it. So, all right, let's get to some more questions here. We've got one from, let me see here. Uh, Brandon K. Do you think that if we execute the game plan on offense and defense, we can win or will it take more fluky type plays like a block punt or safety and things of that nature? You know, Brandon, we, we, we kind of talked about this a little bit early before the show. And this question came in, before the show started. So I'm assuming you, you kind of heard that, but I, I do want to reiterate, and I think this is a good place to reiterate it. I do not think this is a game that Notre Dame needs to trick their way into winning. I don't think this is a game where Notre Dame needs fluky things to happen. Those things help, but I think Clemson could use that help as well. I do think this game is a lot more evenly matched than people think if the good version of Notre Dame shows up. This is a Jekyll and Hyde team. And if the team that played against Stanford shows up or the team against Marshall shows up or Cal or even UNLV offensively, this is going to be a a, a rough game for Notre Dame. But if the team that played against Ohio State, if the team that played against North Carolina, if the team that played against BYU to a degree, if the team that played against, you know, obviously last week against Syracuse shows up, then this is going to be a dogfight. These are two relatively evenly matched teams talent-wise. The difference is, is Clemson has been steady all year and they deserve a lot of credit for that. Notre Dame has been way too up and down. So when Notre Dame plays their game, that's what they do to jump out and get a lead on Ohio State. When they stop doing that, they lose. Same thing is in true a lot of these games. So it's going to be very important that Notre Dame is able to kind of go out there and play their game. You are absolutely right. Now, sometimes playing your game can create those fluky type of plays. I don't think blocking a punt is a fluky play. Notre Dame does not have five blocked punts this year because they've had five fluky plays. They've blocked five punts because they're, they scheme it, they teach it and they execute it. Right? So to me, blocking a punt is executing your game plan. It's you being you. That's who they are. And the fluky play is more of like DJ drops back the pass. Like a fluky play has lost Michigan games right? Or Notre Dame games. I think of uh, 2011 when Tom Maurice was a quarterback. I think it was, if I remember correctly, I have to, I'm going to have to look this up, right? Because I, I want to make sure that I'm getting the scenario. It's been over a decade now. Uh, <laughs> so I, I want to make sure that I get this correct. But Notre Dame is playing Michigan. You all remember at one point time in that game, they had a 24 to 11 lead. And second half of the game, Notre Dame is up, it's 24 to 14. Notre Dame is up twenty-four to fourteen. They drive down the field. It's first and goal at the seven-yard line. There is six minutes left in the game. Twenty-four to fourteen game. Tommy Reese drops back to throw. He's going to throw a fade to Michael uh, Michael Floyd. Michigan can't stop it. They've never been able to stop Michael Floyd, and he gets here and he drops the ball. Michigan recovers. They go down and score. 24-21. That's a fluky play. Michigan did nothing to make that play happen, right? Yeah. I think of the 20 later that year. They're playing USC. USC jumps up to a big lead. Notre Dame's coming back. It's 24-17. to Notre Dame mm-hmm. has the ball inside the five-yard line. A muff snap goes back. USC recovers it, runs it 90 yards for a touchdown. A tie game. Where Notre Dame takes all the momentum, turns into a two-touchdown game, ball game. That's a fluky play. I don't think Notre Dame necessarily needs that kind of stuff to happen. What they have to make sure is that it that they don't have that happen to them, right? Earn your stuff. Make Clemson earn it. Clemson's goal is to make Notre Dame earn it. And the team that can earn it the most is the one that's going to win, right? Mm-hmm. Or the team that makes the fewest mistakes, because making fewer mistakes means you're executing your game plan. So very, very good question, Brandon. Very good question. Jimmy uh, M says, Shipley shouldn't scare Notre Dame. He's a good physical runner, but he's not Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, Travion Henderson, or Sean Tucker, for that matter. I'm going to say two things. Number one, no player should ever scare Notre Dame. Number Mm -hmm. two, I think this is an incredible um, understatement of how good Will Shipley is. Like Will Shilpey's a very good football player, and you and and makes plays in a lot of ways. I don't quite know why he gets the disrespect that he does. I think part of it is Ryan. Well, you know, you know why, uh, you, you know, know why. Well, I, beyond that, yeah. I think part of it is because he did kind of, you know, de- you know Notre Dame thought they were going to get him and and all that, and then well, he ended up going to Clemson.
2: That's I, actually the main. I, I, that that's actually the main reason I was talking about. It. I wasn't actually sure, hinting at the other thing. It sure, was. I promise. Like, sure. well, why uh, is he disrespected no, by Notre Dame fans? Because right. Notre Dame fans wanted him to be part of the program. Yeah, I mean,
1: that's. Just, I think there's another reason he's not he's not respected appropriately. <laughs> but I think the first one is is to me the thing. But look, Will Shipley's a very good football player, very good football player, and he makes a lot of yards. He maximizes yards. He's a weapon in all every phase of the game that the ball can be in his hands. He's a special teams weapon. He's a pass game weapon. He's a run game weapon. Is he yeah. as good as Najee Harris? I'd argue he's better than Najee Harris. He's at least more productive than Najee Harris was as a sophomore, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, I, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to kind of push back a little bit on that. I don't, I, you know. And here's the other thing. Let me say something else about Najee Harris. You know, when he was a sophomore, who's a pretty good football player. Najee Harris is running behind a lot better offensive line than Will Shipley's running behind. But let's no just doubt. compare their numbers as sophomores, right? So, as a sophomore, actually, I'm sorry, as a sophomore at, at Alabama, Najee Harris had 783 yards rushing, four touchdowns, seven receiving yards, zero return yards. That's in 15 games. Will Shipley is a sophomore at Clemson. It has. Seven hundred thirty-nine rushing yards, one hundred and fifty-three receiving yards, ten rushing touchdowns. He's returned six kicks back for one hundred ninety yards. So uh, he's already over th- a thousand yards of all-purpose yards in eight games against four opponents with winning records, three opponents that are currently in the ranked in the top twenty-five. Is Will Shipley a you know Travis Etienne? No, but that's still pretty good. All, yeah, he's still also, a really good
2: football player,
1: and all, he also all, doesn't have. Tra- Go ahead, Ryan. I think you're going to say. I'm I no, just going to say see, there's
2: also there's also not many Travis Etiennes that come through, right? Like, but there's, you know what else?
1: You know what yeah. else? That yeah. team also had Trevor Lawrence, Justin mm-hmm. Ross, T. Higgins, Hunter Renfro, and a better offensive line. Mm-hmm. Fact. Yeah. So, I, I mean, look, Will Shipley is my priority number one to stop in this game you shut down will shipley clemson's gonna have a tougher time scoring simple as that does that mean i mean look is he sean tucker i think sean tucker's pretty flipping good and you say or sean tucker for that matter with all due respect sean tucker's a better football player than a couple guys on that board you know what i mean like or at least more productive than he was than they were so i i think will shipley's a really good football player and and i know a lot of fans don't think that and i kind of get why
2: I, but I also really I also don't like the phrasing of he's a good physical runner. I think well Shipley's pretty explosive man. More but like, than that. I, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't He's consider a lot him more just than like that. a he's not just like a one cut yeah. power runner. Like right. he's got a little something to him. He got a little something right. to him. You know, he's got some.
1: He's got some juice. There's no doubt yeah. about that. No doubt about that. <laughs> and D Rock said it yesterday. Like I said yesterday, Shipley's the X factor. I think that's 100 accurate. 100 mm-hmm. accurate. I, I think. Yeah. If if he if he goes off, they're hard to stop. If you shut him down, they're beatable. Mm-hmm. They're absolutely beatable. Uh, I, I there's there's no doubt about that. No doubt about that. Yeah, you shut him down. It's a lot. It's a lot easier to keep them in check. Let's go to the next. The next question here. We've got one from Brandon K. He says, uh, "Is it more likely that we will see Klubnik or Angeli?" I hope that the Klubnik. answer is Klubnik. Yeah. <laughs> right because so, if, if klubnik plays that means like i don't think either one of these teams blows the other one out i i don't mm-hmm. I, I think it mm-hmm. would i'd be incredibly disappointed if that happened i don't think either team blows the other one out could one team pull away late sure sure but right. i don't think one team blows the other one out so i don't think it's going to be a backup gets in the game i think what to to the point here so that means if one of these two kids gets in the game means the starter was hurt or ineffective. Yes. I don't want anyone to get hurt. My hope is that if they bring Klubnik in, it's because DJ is playing poorly, which would mean multiple turnovers. With mm-hmm. all due respect to Clemson, if you turn the ball over against Notre Dame the way you did against Clemson, you're going to be down more than 21 to 10. Like That's just what I feel. you know. So uh, hopefully it's Klubnik because mm-hmm. DJ is not playing well. Not because
2: he's injured, yeah. but because he's not playing well. That would be he-
1: ideal for Notre Dame.
2: And you talked about it not being an ideal situation throwing Klubnik to the woods. I mean, to the Wolves, excuse me, against Notre Dame and you know away from home. It's also not very fair to throw Steve Angeli to the Wolves that are the Clemson defensive line. Like that is not a great situation mm-hmm. to be in in your first like real real action. Like he's he's been in to hand the football off, but if you're bringing him in, things probably went wrong. Right, you're up because by a be, because if you know, yeah. DJ's to your point, right? If DJ's not
1: playing well, it's most likely because Notre Dame's rattling him and pressuring him. Right, Kate. Part of the reason Kate Klubnik isn't like to me, Kate Klubnik's ready up here. There's mm-hmm. not a doubt in my mind. Kate Klubnik showed up to college ready to play. Mentally, it's physically that I don't think he's ready to play. He's a really skinny kid. He's not a real big kid. Uh, you know, he's going to need some time. He's going to need some time. No question about that. Zach Martin with a question. He says from, from mailbag, given his weird use this year, if you were Tyree, assuming you get your degree in three years, would you consider looking for other opportunities? Yes, I would. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, with all, I mean, I normally don't talk about this, but the way that they've used him this year is just downright embarrassing. And it's getting to the point where it's almost seeming like it's personal, like to me. Yeah. Like it's just it, – it's starting to get to that point in time. For whatever reason, I don't know what it is. It's almost seeming personal. You know, but he's been so incredibly misused. And here's the thing about Chris Tyree. He's got two years left. Yeah. Because this freshman year is 2020, which means that doesn't count. So he becomes a lot more valuable on the open market if he goes, if he if he decides to go that route. And I believe he will have his Notre Dame degree, uh, at least by May.
2: So mm-hmm. I, I would. I absolutely yeah. would. No question. No question. Would I consider it? For sure. I mean, you used the word yeah. consider, right, Zach? So, like, would yeah. I consider it? Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. Yeah.
1: I'd strongly consider it. If things don't change, mm-hmm. strongly consider it. market Weiss with the question here, I honestly don't think Pine is capable of being the guy we lean on to win a big game like this. If he can just be solid and if everyone else around him plays their best, I think we have a legit shot. I don't think either quarterback of either team is a guy that you want to lean on to win a game like mm-hmm. this. I agree. You know, it's 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 about do your job, right? Yep. And I don't think Pine is capable of being the guy to lean on. I guess that depends on what you're leaning on him to do. It, you know, if if it's hey man, we need you to go out there and be a playmaker and and run for 70 yards and throw for 350 and and run around and, and do some of the things that Trevor did against us and do some things that Deshaun Watson did, and do some of the things that you know these other great court no, he's not, and he'll never be that good. Neither's DJ. Right. But if, as far as being capable of being the guy to lean on, I'm leaning on Drew Pine in this game in certain ways. I want, take some shots, get the ball out, run the offense. That's leaning on him. It's just, I guess it would define, depend on how you define it. Am I asking mm-hmm. him to leaning on him as far as we're building the offense around your talents? No, but I mm-hmm. mean, I need you to, you know, what did we call Drew Pine this summer, right? Or was it, it was last summer. I wrote an article that ironically went viral in the Wisconsin game right not a lot of people read it over the summer but when he came in against Wisconsin I looked at our thing and all of a sudden there's like a thousand people on our site like which is concurrence which is uh, huge and it's like they're all reading the Drew Pine story that I wrote in July but the thing that I said about it is Drew Pine is the ultimate point guard quarterback right he is and he's and I mean like the there's there's two types of there's three types of point guards really right there's the magic johnson flash you know kind of guy there's the derrick rose Allen iverson type which is just score volume right you know uh which is to me sort of like a lamar jackson right uh and then there's john stockton and drew pine needs to be john stockton it's not flashy he's not an elite physical talent he's he wins with this And he wins because he's a tremendous decision maker, right? And that's what you want to lean on Drew Pine to be. That's who Mm -hmm. he has to be in this game, is that kind of point guard. Get the ball where it needs to go correctly, accurately, and on time. That doesn't mean you got to fit the ball between three dudes and be John Elway and do all that. Just, dude, hit your drop, make your read, get the ball out on time to the right guys. That's it. That's it. It sounds simple. Against this defense, it's not as easy as it sounds. <laughs> There's no doubt. Caleb Collins says, Ryan, bold prediction. Notre Dame has two 50-yard touchdown runs. What's your bold prediction? I mean, that's a pretty bold prediction for a team that has yet to have a
2: 50-yard touchdown run on this season. But it'd be nice. It, it's a very bold prediction. Uh, I mean, I guess if we go in for long touchdowns, Brian, uh, you know, 60-yard touchdown pass, 60-plus yarder. We've, Notre Dame's missed on a couple of them this year if they can – Grab one; it would be a big play, obviously. So I'm gonna say a long touchdown pass and a couple turnovers would be my bold, I guess. But it's not as bold as Caleb's because that would be very bold. With how Notre Dame has kind of been operating offensively this yeah. year, I mean, a bold prediction for
1: me would be, um, trying you know uh, Drew Pine throws for 300 yards. That, that's a bold, bold prediction. Right? Bold, <laughs> yeah. Because I don't think they necessarily need him to do that in my opinion. right? Mm-hmm. Trader Z, is this the make or break game for Tommy Reese's OC? I'm going to say yes, to a degree. I think mm-hmm. this can be the game that breaks him. I think that if they, he has a great game, it definitely takes a lot of the pressure off, but it right. doesn't make him. There's been too much bad for one game to completely erase, but it's a big first step. Big first step. His make his true make or break, meaning he can also make it is going to come. Also, step one is here. Step two is in three is the Saturday after Thanksgiving in California Correct. against you against the, the Trojans of Southern Cal. That's the true maker break. This game could break him, though. If Notre Dame just is Correct. completely in, in, incompetent on offense against Clemson, just running dual all game, can't get anything going, can't move the ball. Score 10 points, you know, three and outs and all over the like, place. Yeah, three and outs constantly. Yeah. You know, Drew Pine just throwing it to Michael Mayer every time. I mean, mm-hmm. that's like, okay, it, it's, it's it, he ain't that guy. He right. ain't that guy. But all the criticism he's getting gets real quiet if Tommy comes and co- out coaches Wes Goodwin. Gets real quiet. Real quiet. Does it mean he's completely arrived? No. But it, it silences people a lot and gives him that final chance in three weeks to finally kind of say, okay, I got this. I got this. Mm-hmm. Just like Marcus Freeman needed time to learn to be a head coach, Tommy, it, it would mean that Tommy just needed some time to learn to be an OC that's got it all on his shoulders. He didn't mm-hmm. have that offensive head coach this year to kind of steer him in the right direction like you have with Brian Kelly apparently, right? So that's what that would mean, you know, so – um Yes. Yes. I think but it, it doesn't completely eliminate it all. Because if he goes out and lays an egg against USC, it doesn't matter. It has Agreed. to be the next two. It has to be mm-hmm. the next two. Got another question from Spark5219. Brian and Ryan. I see that Shipley is averaging about 135 all-purpose yards per game. It's pretty good. Defensively, we shut down Shipley. Do we shut down Clemson's
2: offense? What's your thoughts? I, I mean I, I think that if you limit Shutdown's a little harsh, right? If you limit the running game and you make it just kind of a less than you, you know, you make it kind of an underwhelming unit during the day. Then I mean, yeah, Brian, I think that you do to a degree. I mean, the last time you saw DJ Uyungle, like he did have a great game against Notre Dame. Obviously, he threw for four bills against Notre Dame, right? So it's not like. It's over, over. But I think that the success that Clemson has offensively this year is built off of running the football. Like we've talked about the screen game, we've talked about the RPO game, the play action game. It's hard for me to imagine in this particular matchup that if Notre Dame shuts down or seriously limits the running game, that the offense for Clemson will be that potent. Right? Like I don't think that it will be a very great unit. So I, I probably agree, Spark. I, I think that if you limit this running game and shut it down potentially. Everything's built off of the running game for Clemson. So I think that you they would have a tough time, tough sledding if they're not able to run the ball. The only way it would matter is if like your secondary
1: just lays an egg. Exactly. Just blown coverages that are going for 60-yard touchdowns. It'd be I mean, so like if 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 the rest of your defense just kind of does their job and you shut down Will Shipley, yeah, Clemson will have a hard time scoring. There there's always exceptions when you're yeah, you did this, did well here, but you stunk over there. I mean, those right. are always those are always exceptions. Uh, see, uh, Shane Phillips says I have a question because I have not watched Clemson one time this season. Does Clemson have a
2: different scheme under their new defensive coordinator this year? I, sort of. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say different scheme. I would say different emphasis. Right. Like the. the it's still a four-two-five base. It, I mean, it's a little the... bit of both. I would say uh-huh. Ryan.
1: I okay. do think that you, you you're seeing different types of pressures. Uh, coverage structure is a little bit different. But I think overall, your point of it's a different emphasis is mm-hmm. is what makes it look way more different than it actually is. And that's or, what you were going to say. So explain what but, you mean by that. Because
2: I do think there's some schematic differences, but the yeah. the usage is the big thing. So, I mean, if you watch what Brett Venables did at Clemson, he was incredibly aggressive with the second-level pressures. Like you – I mean, he would just – disguise things he would slant guys one way bring him in opposite gaps he would bring multiple second level defenders like he was incredibly aggressive blitzer like that was one thing about Brent was and I liked Brent watching Brent's defense because even though he was very aggressive sometimes when guys are overly aggressive with their blitzes and their movement up front you can be a little gap on sounds like I think about Alex Grinch and how he kind of employs his defense right but I, I thought for most part that Venable's did a good job of remaining gap sound while also being aggressive. This defense I've seen for West Goodwin and again it's only about 3 or 4 games that I've watched this year from like the coach's film, but it seems way less aggressive than it has in the past. They're not bringing as many exotic uh, exotic pressures. They're not bringing things from different spots as much. So I think the fundamentally the biggest difference for me Brian is Brett Venables was a whole lot more aggressive. Than what I've seen from Wes Goodwin. I think that they are just polar opposites with how they like to bring pressure right mm-hmm. now. And for me, Ryan, that's kind of, that to me, that is
1: a scheme difference. And that's what I'm referring to, right? It's a little bit more than an emphasis different, but stru- structurally there's a lot of similarities, same alignment four to five. They're using Barrett Carter, similarly to how they use Isaiah Simmons to a degree, there's times in, in was it twenty was it 2018 or 2019, we're literally line Isaiah Simmons up as the free safety. Yeah, I mean we're not we're not seeing that from this kid, but it's it's it, there's a lot of similarities. Let's go to the next one, beef eater Brian and Ryan. How does um, Phil Maffa compare to Audric Estime? Similar They're,
2: size, similar size. Yeah, Moffa's listed at like six foot, two hundred thirty pounds or so, somewhere in that ballpark. I mean he's. There's, I would say this to Jam, like they're they're both definitely they both win in similar ways, right? Like they're both downhill runners. They want to, you know, they want to convert to, to their speed, to their power, and their momentum getting downhill. Like they're that type of player. I do think that Audric has better foot quickness than Phil Maffa. Like I've seen Audrey kind of make people miss in tight spaces a little bit more than Maffa. But I mean, Maffa's a hammer, man. If he gets downhill, he's got a lot of power. He's got a lot of explosiveness. So that's a similar. It in ways, but I think that there is a little, little difference just as far as foot quickness for Modric, in my opinion.
1: Let's go to the next question. We have one from We Are Not Marshall says Brian and Ryan Notre Dame does a great job of eliminating or limiting the first option running back Henderson at Ohio State. Why does Notre Dame struggle against the number two back? Clemson's number two is better than Shipley, in my opinion. Wow. Okay. I was, I was kind of wow. Okay.
3: Phil Again, Moffa's this better is better than this, Will Shipley.
1: This is just Will Fim, Will Shipley's slander, and that's all this is. Phil Moff is uh-huh. averaging 4.5 yards a carry, Will uh-huh. Shipley's averaging six yards a carry. I mean, yep. come on now, Look, guys, on, a, on a higher volume, too. <laughs> be, be better than this, right? There, there's, there, there's not, it's not even close. It's not even close how good they are. It's not even close. Uh, it's Notre Dame eliminating the number two back. I, I think that only happened really against Ohio State. And if you look at how the season has played out, Mayan Williams is no longer their number two back. When he's mm-hmm. healthy, he's been their number one back most of the year. So, uh, and Mayan Williams, Williams is a much better player than Phil Moffa right now. I mean, oh yeah, uh, I'm I'm still a little shocked by that comment. So uh, <laughs> I don't know what number two back you're referring to. Now look, they're like you know um, some people said, well, you know, Casey uh, Filkins at Sanford, they didn't even rush for hundred yards, right? Mm-hmm. Like they weren't as terrible as they are in other games, but they didn't rush for hundred yards. You know, I mean, you gave up 16 points, yeah. the number two back for Marshall didn't hurt you. The number one back did the number two back at UNLV. But again, he wasn't the number two in that game. He started that game, right? So the number one back didn't play until the second half for some reason. So, um, I guess the UNOV game and Ohio state, I guess, are the two examples of that. Like, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't quite understand that, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm rattled by that. Clemson's number two is better than Shipley comment. Like we are not Marshall. I love you, man. Maybe I, you know, we're, we're, we're glad you're safe and sound
2: in New York, but my man, that's a, I, I love you, buddy. That's a bad take. Brian, if, um, if Kobe pace wasn't hurt, Phil Maffa wouldn't even be their number two back. Just that's want to true. put that out in the universe as well. That's true. Yeah, the uh
1: that's definitely a um that's definitely a a we're upset that he didn't sign with Notre Dame take, in my yes. opinion. Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's move on from that one. Uh David Kish, could Chris Tyree succeed as a slot receiver in some areas? He's not a wide receiver. He's not. Mm-hmm. He's a slasher running back that can also make plays as a receiver. It, it, look, we got a question down here, somebody, somebody, or comment somebody made about Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson. It says, honestly, Mayan Williams isn't better than Henderson either. Henderson has been banged up on and off through the year, which gave Mayan more opportunities. Mine is good, but that's still not true. No, you're, you're inaccurate here. I've watched the games. Very early in the year, Mayan Williams became Ohio State's number one runner even before. Travion Henderson got hurt. The problem for me is at Ohio State, they have decided their run game is going to be power-oriented. Yeah. And Mayan Williams fits that better. And instead of adjusting to what Travion is, which is a one-cut guy, one cut and go guy, outside zone, buck sweeps, you know, inside zone, cutbacks, things that he was really good at last year, they have decided with the new old line coach and things like that that their run game is going to be geared more towards this. They haven't done as good of a job of using both of their skill sets like they did in 2020 with Trey Sermon and Master Teak, where they would adjust a little bit based on who was in the game. And so I think that's been the issue for Trayvon Henderson just as much as the injuries. Now he has been banged up this year, but I think mm-hmm. I think it's more about that. this is who they want to be in the run game and Mayan fits that better. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the reason for it. And now look, yeah, sophomore slump and all that, but I just don't think Travion's being used effectively either. So I think that factors into my thoughts on why Mayan has had more success this year as well. But to Chris Tyree being a slot receiver, he he is a running back that needs to be used appropriately, and he needs to find a school that will use him appropriately. Uh, Somebody asked this question too, Beef Eater, which ties into it. says, Brian and Ryan, should we be using Tyree the way Clemson uses Shipley? Uh, Yeah. To a degree, yeah. 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 I mean, outside zone, counters Mm -hmm. inside zone running out of the backfield you know Mm -hmm. shipley is more is a little bit has more a little bit more balance than tyree tyree has more explosiveness but overall shipley would fit or tyree would fit fit in much better at clemson doing what they're doing than he is with that notre dame with what they're trying to do notre dame is doing a very poor job of properly using chris tyree skills but to the question that david asked i don't think he's a full-time receiver i don't know There are some things I would do with him lined up outside as a running back. Definitely. But mm-hmm. not. it's not a full-time move that I would make, to be honest with you. hundred percent. Leighton Burkholder asks, question, did Tommy Reese show you enough against Syracuse to be confident that he will have a decent game plan against Clemson? I didn't think Tommy Reese had a necessarily great game plan. I mean, my, my, my comment after the game was, Ryan, and, and I know you were listening, but I don't know if you caught this, was, it's not mm-hmm. that he had a great game plan. It's that it was just not as bad as the previous ones. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, that's fair. right. I mean, there was some decent stuff. It's like he gets credit now for calling a pass or two that gets a guy open. Other teams do that all the time.
2: Yeah. You know, <laughs>
1: um, you just ran duo all freaking game. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry. I'm not giving you a ton of credit for that. Your dudes were just way better than their dudes um mm-hmm. so no it didn't give me confidence that he'll have a decent game plan against clemson but i hope he does I'm, I, I hope he does i'm, I'm you know i, I thought there were, <clears throat> there were some things i liked about the game yeah. and I, you talked about this for, during the game we especially about the
2: way that yeah. they
1: mixed up their personnel their for you know their alignments mm-hmm. i loved that i want to see more mm-hmm. of that uh find a little you know build on that this week definitely definitely so i mean mm-hmm. it wasn't a bad game plan by any stretch it was just a okay, I got better players than them. Don't get too cute. Let's just go out there and, and play around our strengths and, and wear this team out because they're inferior to us. Clemson's not inferior to you. They're mm-hmm. they're your equal. At, at, at very least, they're your equal. So you got to do some stuff this week to scheme up that you didn't necessarily have to. You didn't have to get too cute last week. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I probably would have criticized him if he did get too cute. Like, what are you running a reverse for? Like, you don't need that, right? Like, you know. Why would you just call three pass plays in a row? You know, where other games, I'm totally fine calling people. But last week, you just didn't need that. This yep. week, you're going to need a little bit more creativity. Irish AJ, uh, he says, I, would you rather have a close loss to Clemson and beat USC or beat Clemson and lose to USC? I am not going to uh, answer that one because <laughs> I, 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 I don't – neither. I'd rather win both. Yes. Right? I mean, I always want to beat USC. That's the closest thing that I'm going to come to answering that question. But honestly, mm-hmm. the problem with that is you lose this game by the time you get to USC, your season's reputation is you know, Over. a little yep. yeah. Yep. So, both man.
2: Definitely definitely want to beat oh. Clemson though. Definitely. Yeah. There's no doubt.
1: Yep. Yeah, it's going to be uh yeah, I don't I don't want to I don't want to even think about losing. I'm taking both oh, of them, man. All right. Spark 5219. Ryan, with all these great recruits coming in this weekend for the Clemson game, is Clemson allowed to recruit them? Like meet with them, have them over to talk with them, things along that line.
2: No, I mean this is a this is a Notre Dame recruiting event, right? So those kids are going to be with the coaches, they're going to be with the other recruits, they're going to be on the Notre Dame sideline. Like this is a this is a a thing that this is a event that is For Notre Dame, right? Like, you're not going to see Dabo walking over to Jaden Greathouse and start, you know, talking to him type of thing this weekend, right? Like, that's not going to be a thing, right? This is a massive weekend for Notre Dame. Like I said, they have 60 plus recruits that are scheduled to be on campus from the 2023, 2024, 2025, and 2026 classes. Yeah, I think you have 22 players that are committed to Notre Dame in either the 2023 class or 2024 that'll be on campus. So it's a massive opportunity for Notre Dame this weekend on the recruiting end. Man, they have they have a lots to play for. Not only on the field, Brian, but they got some heads to turn as well, and impress Mm -hmm. some folks on the sideline as well. Yep. You ready? Showtime
0: on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy.
3: We do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita.
0: Make some bad decisions. Yes.
1: I think the only co- communication I believe, I could be wrong on this, I believe the only co- communication you're allowed to have is like a, a visit to a school visit when you're not allowed to see mm-hmm. kids. Uh, if if you walk by a kid, you're allowed to say hi and keep on going. I believe right. that's the only co- commitment co- communication that an opposing team can have. Mm-hmm. We've got one here from DRock Irish. He says, earlier Clemson podcast show stated this is a playoff elimination game for Clemson. Podcaster thinks Clemson won't be in the playoffs With even one loss this year.
2: I mean, what the SEC looks like right now, it's possible, I guess. It's possible. To
1: me, Ryan, it just, it's one of those things where you always look at and say, uh, it just depends on, it depends on what they do, right? It depends on, on how they're used. It depends on, I mean, not how they're used, but like how other teams go. It depends on, you know, will, will this team kind of come out and, and, Drop a game, you know, like if Oregon loses and Notre Dame beats USC, odds are pretty good the Pac-12's out, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if Clemson loses a barn burner to Notre Dame and then runs the table, they're probably still ranked ahead of UCLA. And in that mm-hmm. scenario, they'd get in over a Pac-12 team if that's what it came down to. You
3: right. know,
1: the big, the Big ten, here, Here's the problem that UC that Clemson would have, and, and here's where it gets a little hairy.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: that the, their their non-conference this year was was pretty soft outside of Notre Dame. And y- a couple teams you thought were going to be pretty good aren't good down the stretch. Miami's not good. Mm-hmm. So if they lose to Notre Dame, you know, you're still in the top seven to eight most likely, but you're going to need a lot of help because you just don't have – like in the past, like when Clemson lost to Pitt in 2016 – The thing that helped them that year is they had a really good non-conference win that year at Auburn. Now, Auburn wasn't great that year. Auburn finished the regular season eight and four. But the perception was, you went on the road and beat a pretty good ranked SEC team. And then you look at other years where, you know, 2017, you know, Clemson loses, um, you know, Clemson loses to Pittsburgh. But what helped them that year? You know, obviously they had some good wins over over teams in your conference, but then they also beat an Auburn team that went and played for the conference championship that year and beat Georgia in the regular season. So you had that non-conference to build around to overcome that ACC loss. The problem yeah. here would be that your only loss, the the wins that you would have to kind of spark you to being in with a loss, are in conference games against teams that at best are going to be 15 to 25, Mm -hmm. right? So the, and and the committee already showed they don't respect the ACC. I mean, the committee made that very clear this weekend. And I think that's an inaccurate take. I, I think the ACC is a lot better. And I talked about this in Mark Rogers. show last night, after our show, the ACC is being punished for what they've been in the past. If you go look at what the ACC has done this year out of conference, they are probably in the top two, as far as best out of conference wins and I'd probably say Pac-12 is probably number two or number one or two as well. What's the big win the SEC's hanging their hat on? Alabama going on the road and beating Texas by a point with their starting quarterback out for over half the game. Is that, you know, I mean, Georgia, Oregon, that's a good one. But outside of that, what do they got, right? So I think the ACC is being unfairly punished, but that's just the reality of this. There's nothing the ACC can do in conference to change that opinion it would require mm-hmm. them to beat a Notre Dame. And then, you know, that like they're better off beating Notre Dame than they would have been, you know, lose and, and losing to NC State than they would be vice versa, just because of the perception of the ACC. So I think it would be a lot harder for Clemson this year to get in with a loss because of the fact that most likely you're going to have two really good Big Ten teams with only one loss. Most likely you're going to mm-hmm. have uh, it probably – Two SEC teams with one to zero losses, which is going to make it tougher. There's still a couple Big Twelve teams with a chance to be there, right? Or is it just one? Isn't Oklahoma is can't is uh, TCU the only Big Twelve team left with only one loss?
2: TCU so one doesn't have a loss, yet. No, so with
1: one loss, meaning like one or more, yeah. one or fewer losses. Does everybody else mm. in that conference have at least two losses in the Big Twelve? I believe so. yes. I believe so, so Big Twelve, Big Twelve. Basically, if you're Clemson, here's what you're rooting for. You're rooting for the SEC to beat each other up. So basically, you're looking for Tennessee to beat Georgia, basically, right? To knock Georgia out of the SEC championship game. Cause you, that would be the head to head you'd have over Georgia. If Georgia loses to Tennessee, Georgia's got that win over Auburn and then that's really, or Oregon and that's really it. They don't have mm-hmm. a conference championship. Clemson would, then Clemson would also have a chance to beat a really good ranked team down the stretch in North Carolina. So you need TCU to lose, you need Tennessee to beat Georgia, and then you need – basically, you need to be a huge Tennessee fan because Tennessee can clean up the possibility of a second SEC team getting in over Clemson if Tennessee handles business by beating Alabama. The worst-case scenario for them is one of two things. Tennessee beats Georgia and then loses to Alabama in the SEC title game because then both get in, most likely. or Georgia beats Tennessee, and then Bama beats Georgia in the SEC title game because then the same thing happens. They, so you need Tennessee to run the table, knock Alabama out because that would be the second loss, and then hope that Georgia's, the remainder of Georgia's schedule isn't overly impressive. That's what you got to hope for. And you've got to hope that TCU's, TCU loses a game because if Georgia loses this week, Ryan, the rest mm-hmm. of their schedules at Mississippi State, at Kentucky, home against Georgia Tech – there's no sexy wins in there that are going to get them yeah. that are going to boost them up, and then Clemson would also need to root for Carolina to run the table. They need mm. Carolina to run the table, be a borderline top ten team, and beat them in the ACC title game. That's what they would need if they lose to Notre Dame. That's absolutely, interesting. because then mm-hmm. you'd have the yeah we lost to Notre Dame, but then we beat Carolina who lost to Notre Dame, and then that would boost their resume up, and then they would need Notre Dame to beat USC. They would need yeah. Notre Dame to smack USC, because then it's like, hey, dude, that's not the same Notre Dame team that played Marshall and Stanford. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. But yep. the point is, is that's a lot of ifs, Ryan. Mm-hmm. And that's why Clemson needs to win this game. If we're looking at it from a Clemson standpoint, that's why they need to win this game, because sure. you know it's the kind of game that you look at and say, boy, that's they're going to need some help, and you don't want to be in a position where you're going to need where you're going to need that kind of help. And so that's going to be the key. That's going to be the key to this. We have another question from Corey Ruth. Corey says, I noticed most are defining Drew Pine more by his first, his last three games than by his first three games. Very true. Do you believe that Drew Pine is capable of bouncing back to the 200 yards, two touchdowns, 70% in this game, 70-plus percent in this game? Ryan, I'll is, let you take is, first crack at it. I was going to say,
2: is he capable? Sure. I mean, I think that – It's never as bad as you think. It's never as good as you think, right? Like we have seen evidence to say that Drew Pine, when he plays within himself and he is confident in what he does, he can be a efficient and successful quarterback at this level. Like there's no doubt about that. Now, what have you done for me lately, right? The recency bias type of thing for this is that he has not been good in the last three games. But, I mean, to the question, Corey, can he get back to those numbers? Yeah, he can. I think more than anything, though, you just need to you need to find that that even split here. Right. Like can't be as bad as he's been the last three games, but you also can't expect him to ball out like he did against North Carolina in this football game. There's got to be something in between. consistencies. what's really lacking with Drew Pine right now. But I mean, get to the question, Brian. Yeah, it could happen. Like it's possible for sure. It's possible. Yeah.
1: Somebody reminded me of a good win that the SEC has. And I always forget about this one. Florida beating Utah is a very good win. And it's what makes it even better is it's a middle of the road SEC team beating a really good Pac-12 team. I always forget about that game for some reason. So yes, the SEC does have two good non-conference wins. I'll give them that for sure. But there's not a lot else outside of that to be honest with you. And the point is, is that the ACC is not getting enough credit. But I always forget about this because I forgot about that yesterday, and I don't know why. Because I picked Florida to win that game too. So uh, I gotta. I, I don't know why I gotta keep forgetting that one. So. Uh, Ryan, I know you got to run. I'm going to get up. I'm gonna get these last couple questions and then we'll, uh, we'll get rocking and rolling here. Cause we do have a couple more. We do have a couple more questions that I do want to get, get to, but, uh, but we, we do got to run here pretty soon. Let's get to, oh, and then my question to my answer to you, Corey, is that I do think he's capable of at least being the 200 plus yard guy. I don't think he's got to be at 70. If drew can be around 65, you know 220 to 250 two touchdowns and as long as there's no turnovers with that that's going to be a really good performance in my opinion that's definitely a performance that gives Notre Dame a chance to win that game there's there's no question about that and and to your point i think it changes the narrative because the dynamic nature of this win would be such because of how good clemson is and highly ranked they are that i think it would go a long way towards silencing some of the 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 criticism of the last three games because a lot of people said well he's not Capable of doing this. Whereas I just don't think he's playing well. I think he's capable of it. I just don't think he's playing well. And, and if he plays well against Clemson and, and helps lead them to win over Clemson, and then let's say he plays bad against Navy, it's more of a he played bad. It's not that he can't do it, it's that he's just not playing well. And it's a lot easier to get a guy who has the ability to play better than it is to get a guy that doesn't have the ability to play well. And so it would answer a lot of those questions. Cole Barker says, asks, are we going to see a lot of screens this game? I think Clemson plays a ton of drop eight until we give them reason not to. I don't know why Clemson would play drop eight. I have no clue why they would play drop eight, except on third down. I mean, that would be the only one. But uh, I, I first and second down, I don't see any reason Clemson's going to be doing drop eight. I, I don't know. They're going to be coming downhill. But as far as what Nernum means to do in the pass game, I mean, it's not screens. I, I I watch Florida state try to run a lot of running back screens against Clemson. And I watch Clemson's linebackers and safeties just fly to the ball. They can really run at linebacker and their safeties are pretty good against the screens. So I don't know if that's the, I just don't know if that's the way that I would go. I think for me, I want to see a lot of running back touches. There are, there are some chances there for screen. If you can catch them, if you have a, if you have a down and distance where you're pretty confident that they're going to be in a, in a pressure and you can run a screen behind that tunnel screen, slip screen, wide screen, um, you know, something like that. I'd run one to you know maybe Holden Stace instead of Michael Mayer, just to, to a little bit more opportunity for deception. I think there's some stuff like that, but to me, Cole, what I'd rather see is just a quick game. Take the five yard, like RPOs to me are an extension of your run game. So if you're pulling and throwing and completing a five yard pass on an RPO, that's a win. That's a win for me, and I would take those. I think I would rather see more of that stuff than than the other stuff in my opinion Jason Rose says hey guys who is more likely to come back next season between Brandon Joseph and Cam Hart I wish that Ryan would have been able to answer that one I'd be curious to get his take because he talks to, to scouts and people like that I would probably say Brandon Joseph because the concern with Cam Hart if I'm in his shoes unless I'm being flat out told dude you may not get drafted which Brian had some interesting feedback from NFL people about that on the message board that, that, um, you know, that that he needs to play better to to be on the board, but let's say he plays well down the stretch. He's got injury history that you've got to say, man, do you really want to risk coming back and get hurt again? Where Brandon doesn't really have that. So I would say Brandon Joseph, maybe for that reason would be an interesting one. Brandon Piotz P- asks, uh, what do you guys think feel is the reason for Lorenzo styles not being over the, the impactful guy we all expected him to be? I think there's several reasons for that. I think number one, I just don't think his head is right has been there this year to me. I think he has looked uh, not confident from the beginning of the year. Even the Ohio State game, there were times he just wasn't confident. He wasn't playing hard all the time. He was kind of – if he wasn't getting the ball, he was kind of jogging. He wasn't blocking. He wasn't giving effort. Uh, And then he started getting drops. I think he was frustrated by the lack of usage. I think that was part of it. I just think there's been some there's been some football maturity issues. Like you know, not personal maturity issues. I've heard Lorenzo's a pretty mature kid, but just football maturity issues where you allow things that aren't going your way to kind of manifest and then build and then he gets a couple drops, and he starts putting stuff on that and he's not getting the ball a lot and all that kind of stuff and and uh I think that's played a big role in a lot of it, and 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 so hopefully that changes. I do think getting him going in this game would be would be very helpful. I don't think you have to do it to win, but I think it would make it winning a lot easier, in my opinion. And then last one here from Thomas Wilkins: Why can't Notre name wear their gold jerseys for the first time? Uh, why can't we have green pom poms like Tennessee? And I, I imagine if you wanted to have green pom poms, you could bring them. I don't know if Notre Dame is going to spend the money on something like that. You know, they don't like to spend money on you. They like to spend money on themselves. Uh that's just the the reality of it in my opinion. And so um you know, I I, I look at it and say, you know, gold jerseys I'm against. I think that would be ugly. I don't think there's any way you can get a gold jersey and match your helmet. I I'm hard pass. You know the, the you know the you know the cool th- uh, like alternate uniform I would like to see and I, and I think people are going to disagree with me on this. I would love to see one of two things, gold helmet, green shirt and white pants or gold helmet, blue shirt and white pants. Uh, I think that would be really sharp. I think that'd be a really cool kind of, uh, you know, alternate uniform at home that I think would be really sharp, really sharp. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Either one of those would be cool for me. So that's what I would go with. So that's going to do it for today's show, everybody. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Obviously, tonight, 6 o'clock, we will have the IB Nation Sports Talk Show, final show of the week. It'll be Sean and Jesse tonight. Definitely check that out. Tomorrow, we will have, it at 1 o'clock, we'll have our prediction show. We'll talk about Notre Dame. Uh, we'll talk about Notre Dame-Clemson, obviously. Then we'll talk about Alabama-LSU. We'll, talk about, we'll preview that game of gift predictions. We'll talk about Tennessee-Georgia a lot. Make our predictions for there. I think some of you might be a little surprised by my prediction for that game. We'll see. I might be teasing that a little bit. I don't know what the rest of the staff is going to predict, but I've had a pretty good year so far predicting straight up. Uh, I think I'm. I looked at the other the other day. I'm 36 and six. I'm first place on the staff right now. Uh, 36 and six, and about four, five, six games up on everybody else. So uh, I, I'm hoping that I have another good week. We'll see. But uh, I'm going to have that prediction for tomorrow. We'll have Wake Forest, NC State as another game that we will preview tomorrow. I'm trying to think of some of the other big games that that Ryan and I uh, talked about us discussing tomorrow. Uh, There's another top 25 game that we'll discuss tomorrow. I'm trying to remember who it was. Uh, It was oh Texas and Kansas State is another game that we'll talk about tomorrow. Uh, We'll dive into that one as well. I'm very curious to see how that game goes. And then there's a few other games that I'm very intrigued by this weekend that, that will be somewhat entertaining. Obviously, we'll talk a little bit about some of the teams that Notre Dame has played. We'll talk a little bit about North Carolina and Virginia. And I'm very intrigued by the game tomorrow night, the Friday night game in the Pac-12, Oregon State and Washington. I think this is an opportunity for Washington, if they can beat Oregon State, who's now 23rd, that Washington then jumps up to 7-2, and two, and then they would jump into the top 25 and knock Oregon State out. So that's what I think I'll do. And, Nicole, I see what you meant third down. I think third down, I agree with you. I would do drop eight. The other thing, too, is they also have uh, some pass rushes that are good enough to kind of win in those situations. But, yes, I, I agree with that. But I still think even drop eight, there's shots and plays to be made there. But the, the key is avoid the third down and longs that will put them in those situations. Because if Notre Dame's in third and four, they're in run, you, you got to be worried about them running on you. So I think those are the keys is that means being good at winning on first and second down. But anyway, that's what we'll discuss tomorrow. And then, of course, Saturday, we'll have our IB IB Nation countdown to kickoff at 10 a.m. till noon. We'll have a tailgate Saturday in the stadium lot. I will tweet out and put on the message board exactly where we will be uh, that day. We'll we'll get there sometime between noon and two. I'll tweet out when we're kind of on the way just so people can have a heads up. But I look forward to seeing all of you that are going to be at the game there. Uh, There's no there's no cost. There's no payment. You don't have to be a subscriber to the message board. Anybody that's a part of the IB community is welcome. Bring your spouses, friends, family, whatever uh, to the tailgate. It'll be a really good time. I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing as many people as possible. So have a great rest of your day, everybody, and we will talk to you very soon. Thank you so much for joining us on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.